What's up, y'all? It's your boy Brent, and uh, in this episode, I got to sit down with a gentleman by the name of Brandon Melton. Some of you might not know who Brandon is, but uh, he is, he's been around this industry a long, long time, and um, he is the Region 3 uh, team associated team manager, and um, he's a racer, a dad. Um, just a really good talk, just a regular down-to-earth good dude and uh, he likes to drink beer so uh, this was during the fall brawl weekend and uh, he was you know trying to win that elusive fall brawl nitro trophy so um, you know we had a good talk I hope you guys like it listen watch share see you soon of the ones that got the sync going on so this is episode number five uh wheel and trigger it's me brent and this is brandon melton what's up that's me so i was stoked when i asked you if you wanted to be on and you you said yes because sure. i know someone that's been in this hobby and industry and been around as long as you have in this right you're gonna have some great stories 25 years worth so that to me is uh, worth every minute we spend because when I first started this and the, the concept of this podcast was to do like video at campfires after races or whatever, and I, I had a name for it, but I, I got to think, I was like, bro, if we're sitting around a campfire and I drop, I, I put my phone up and everyone sees that I'm videotaping them, the stories aren't going to come out. Sure. They're going to sit back and they're going to be like, I'm, I got. I can't say that. I can't expose that person. But I started thinking. I was like, but we don't got to say names, you know. Like, right. We go into the, a story. We just talk about what happened. And I was with this guy, and he's a famous racer or whatever. No, yeah. people can use their imagination, you know. I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. So we're at the fall brawl, and uh, you're in town for the brawl. How's your weekend going? Uh, good so far. Was able to TQ overall the forty plus nitro buggy class. Which is very stacked. This year. Oh it my is, gosh. For sure. I mean, it, there, there's always, you know, there's always fast guys. Yeah. For, for sure. Um, but, but this year, I think there's been a couple guys who have turned 40 recently. So yep. you add them in, you know, add them in. And, um, you know, the same guys that have been running it for three or four years now before I joined it, you know, are still there. They're still fast. A couple of them are missing. So, I mean, I think it could have been, you know, even deeper. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, we were joking the other day with KB, and it's like, you know, our main, it's like we just hit the rewind button. You know, we're going to still race. We're going to race hard. We're going to race fun. But uh, it, it's like we just go back to 2010 and reset the main of the brawl from 2010. Which was the A main of, like, Pro Buggy or right. whatever back then. Right. right. Yeah, myself, Jason Smith, those guys, you know, just, you know, KB in the crowd just duking it out in the mains and, you know, before all of the – the Coles and the Spencers and the Evan Vales, you know, they're, they're running around in elementary school and we're right. out here, you know, throwing down for wins. So, but, um, yeah, that's always fun. And then, um, nitro pro nitro buggy was able to get in the main this year. So, uh, there was a string of years where I never missed a main for pro. And then naturally as a race grew, the, the 
the paid pros, as you call it, you know, more and more and more of them started showing up. So then it was like, you know, B main racing with the old A main guys. So, um, you know, naturally some of the guys that are, you know, have been here in the past aren't here this year, which, you know, for whatever reason. So, um, but still it, you know, it took three clean runs to get in, you know, it's still no, still no easy walk in the park. So to give me for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, it was, you know, pretty pretty wound up about that. Looking forward to tomorrow, and then um, e buggy still a little bit of a struggle. I just haven't put enough time in recently. Been a long time since I've driven one, so still in the main shot at a podium. Don't think I got a shot at a win in that. So keep so, work, keep working so, on it. Is it. Some of those fast kids you were talking about in that in in both buggy. Well, this pro is classes. yeah forty plus e buggy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's I've got a big spread between what I've been able to do in nitro. And what I've been able to do in e-buggy. And I think a lot of it's just time and a lot of it's just uh, me personally wanting it as much. So right. when you kind of set it to the side and you don't want to look at it, don't want to work on it, it, it shows. So um, I either, prime I, example I, of that. I've, I've either got to make the choice that I want to take it serious and put the time in to get it right or just stick to nitro. And really the only reason I brought the e-buggy for a third class was with my son, Tyler, not being here. So you, you had know, the time. He had the time. Yeah, it's still two cars to maintain. If I maintain the e buggy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel so. like that's kind of been the, the for me when I was doing both. My problem was I kind of neglected it, and I don't. I didn't like it as much. Not. I mean, it's always good for track time. It's great for learning the layouts. Like when you first get there, you don't have to worry about pit yeah. man, drop it, go. Um, but I've just come to the conclusion that electrics for 10 scale for me and nitro is for a scale. And that's what I want to run. I, I can see that. I mean, it, I, I kind of agree. But if you're only an a scaler, then having more classes when yeah. you go to these big entry races yeah. is, you know, it's vital. You don't want to sit around all day. Yeah. I put a tire on my car, the last round of e-buggy that I would have never done and sacrificed the potential of a good run in nitro. And it, and it is kind of that bastard class for me not saying yeah in general not not discrediting anybody that runs it but for me it's kind of that if i throw it out there and waste a run then i can live with that i can sleep at night you know so <laughs> yeah we were, we were talking well, how did you end up in uh e-buggy anyway you said you made six or made seventh yeah six or seventh so 40 plus ne- never say never yeah i mean i you know get a good start get in the groove feel it you know things can happen but you know, podium, I think, is a possibility to win the race. Long shot, probably. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think of the layout? It's not my favorite Badlands layout. And I think the only reason for that is is what we're used to when we come down here is a little more open, faster race to cars you're racing against a little bit. The layout – is fun to drive, don't get me wrong, but I think what it reminds me of is if you took a tent scale track out of an indoor building and just made it a little bigger like pull and the put corner. it outside. You like yeah. pull the corner and stretch it yeah. out. Yeah, so, you know, an indoor track is typically, you know, shorter shoots, shorter straightaway, a jump into a corner, and then a jump right out of a corner, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a lot of up, down, jump, then turn, up, down, jump, then turn, versus – Kind of, I think, for the past, I think, 17, 18 years I've came down here, it's been a little more high speed, a little more, a, a few bigger jumps. Not just the one big double, but, like, always two to three signature jumps kind of thing. So, 
don't get me wrong, it's fun to drive. Yeah. It's just not really, when you come to Badlands, what you think you would have been coming to Badlands to see, if that yeah, makes sense. Monty and them had a, st- a style of tracks that yeah. they you know, were known for. And yeah. that fall brawl became, or just the Badlands period, yeah. became known for. Yeah, I mean, the name, what you know, Badlands RC Supercross. So when you hear the Supercross part of it, I think this is this layout's a little less Supercross-esque and sure. more technical-esque. Yeah, I know? can see that. For sure. Yeah, Bobby Moore put this one in. And it served its purpose. It's it's done really good. The RCGP yeah. was good. Um, I think this race is going good. But I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I I enjoy it. I, I could see where I could like some different features that it, than it has. Yeah. Not I mean, to make it easier or anything, just, yeah. you know. It, it's fun to drive, don't get me wrong. But I feel like you're racing the track because everything is so technical that if you're a foot or two out of that one lane groove, yeah. your next jump's not set up then your next jump's not set up. So it's more of race the track and don't give up the line versus race the competitors because it's there's more room to right. more room to, to, to put a pass on somebody. That and you're battling all the character. I mean, there's so many rough patches in certain areas that you have to yeah, really I mean, dodge. Yeah, I mean, it, I think everybody in the past has come to a custom of, you know, Badlands or, or – Quite honestly, you could expand that into the southeast, right? Everywhere you go in the southeast, it's all about roll it in, sugar it, calcium, yeah. smooth, smooth, fast, fast high. high grip. You know, and you know, while that's fun, I don't, I don't not have a good time when a track gets character in it. No, just, just because it's it's the same track for everybody. One hundred percent. If I have to miss the rut or drive through it or pick a tire, change a shock, whatever you got to do, I mean, everybody here has the exact same track to race on. Right. So. No, I, I, I throw, throw like that, throw that, you know, bitch out the window. Yeah. You know, that's nothing to complain about to me. So. No, no, no. I would, and I think, I think you're right. I, I would tell people the same thing. Everyone's got to race it. You know, if this guy's doing 24s and you're doing 26s, it means you can do a 24. You're just not. You're just not. Right. That guy is. So yeah. it's possible, you yeah. know, so yeah. figure it out. You know, don't whine about it. Just do it. And maybe it's him. <laughs> I, I mean, at the, yeah, end, at, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, Evan Vale could let me drive Evan Vale's car with his tire, his setup, hell, even his radio. Right. I, I'm not going to run the lap that Evan Vale runs. Right. You know, I don't even mention Evan, you yeah. know, because he's got my same car, right, and he's doing fast laps, you know. But, you know, Jake Steichleather was fast today. Just because I drive Jake's car doesn't mean I'm going to run 24-3, you know, compared to my 24-8. Right. It's probably me. Yeah, I mean – there's no way you can hand me any of those cars, and I'm going right. to do anything that's two right. seconds. You know, yeah. I'm going to be off. Yep, no matter what. Ninety percent driver. So you come from the uh, on-road background, though, right? Like you started in on-road. No, I didn't start in it. Okay, I did it a while. Okay, but um, no, I started tent scale electric off-road. Um, first track I went to was the Grove in Rock Hill, <laughs> South Carolina. Um, you know, long the long story short of how I got into RC is, you know, myself and Chris Pace. A lot of people don't know this. They see us as track buddies, right? And we have been forever. But Pace and I grew up one street away from each other. Okay. So we were like neighbors for all intents and purposes. So, you know, we hung out together as kids before RC was ever known about. So we, um, a third friend of ours who just never got into racing, got a ready to run car for Christmas one year. And then me and Pace were like, man, that's cool, man. You know, where'd you get that? How much was it? You know, how fast does it go? That, oh, all, all that stuff, right? 
And then not not only that, but like, oh, it's got shocks, and he's driving in his backyard and like jumping the tree stumps and roots and stuff like that. So like, you know, that that was how it all got started. I got one, Pace got one, the three of us, you know, goofed off at the house, and we built a small little track at Pace's grandmother's on the side of her property, and we started having fun doing that. And then it was cut grass to go buy a faster motor, cut grass to buy another battery. We were racing before we could drive ourselves to the track. So we found the Grove down in Rock Hill. We'd go down there on Friday night. Either his mom, my mom, somebody would drop us off, and then we'd, you know, before cell phones, we'd go in the shop, call home. Hey, we're about to race. Be here in 30 minutes. And they'd come pick us up, and then it just, from there, you can imagine. I mean, you learn about the next track that's an hour and a half away, and then this track's an hour and a half away, and then you right. get, get your driver's license after mom says she's not driving you an hour and a half to go race, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, it didn't start out with it, doing it with parents. You know, never had the dad at the track. It was just just me, me, myself, doing 10 scale. And um, what was that, 94, 95-ish? So I just did tent scale until probably the earlier 2000s. And then I think it was 03-ish, 04, got into some touring car because there came about some tracks near us. And, um, yeah, just did that for probably from 2003 to 2007-ish. You know, it doesn't sound like a long period of time, but for those four years, I mean, I was hitting it pretty hard. Now, Traveling, local stuff. If my memory serves me right, you did you win some? You won a or some national championships in T, touring car. Or? T, TQ to national didn't win it. Um, won the Snowbirds one year. Um, yeah, just which is a national, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean a few, yeah, a few, uh, few big events did really well. And by running well and on road is where I met Brent Telke, and I got on with Associated for the on-road touring car side of it. And then, um, you know, that's all she wrote from 2006 until now. So, so as far as Associated goes. So from 2006 till now, you mean you've been with them? Yep. Ten years. Like you're, you've are you been there with them forever. Yeah, so what's that, Six, 16 years? 16 years. So when, let's go back to your buddy who got the, the ready to run for mm -hmm. Christmas or birthday or whatever. Um, what was your first RC car? I think it was a Kyosho Ultima. Yeah. I think Ultima was the series at that time. I'm pretty sure. So you didn't buy like a, a it wasn't a kit built. or something like that or No. Um Pace did have a grasshopper mm -hmm. was I think their car back then. And I had the the Ultima, which was ready to run, and, and it had the mechanical lever speed, speed control. control yeah. Not electronic speed oh, control. No, not they, they didn't So I mean we would go out and run these things hours on end. And then all of a sudden think, why the hell does it quit running? And, you, and I didn't know how to work on them. You know, mom would have to drive me up to the hobby shop, and I'd put it on the counter and say, hey, dude, like my stuff ain't working. Right? And then the guy would say, oh, the speed control's burned up. I'm like, well, it did that. And he goes, well, they just burn up, man. Like, they don't last forever. <laughs> well, how much does that cost? You know, you know, you tell me. And I'm like, damn, I can't fix it today. Like four yards. Right? And I got to go back and figure <laughs> out, as a 14-year-old, how to scrounge up, you know, whatever it was, 40, 50 bucks or whatever. Right. You know, and then I could go back, get it fixed, and go home and start playing again. So That's awesome. So when you – what got you into off-road, like, after touring car? What what kind of made that transition again? Really just the industry a little bit. Not that it died off, but it started to slow. And 
the the biggest that was part of it. The biggest key factor was associated release the RC eight. So the fact that I ran for them and they released a car, um, you know, a lot of the guys that I ran tent scale on or tent scale off road with in the earlier oh one, oh two, oh three never left off road and had graduated to eight scale. I call it graduated just because it seemed like at the time the tent scale racers would still dabble with the gas truck and have fun with that. But eight scale was this market and tent scale was this market. It didn't cross over tracks, didn't cross over that kind of stuff. So when they got, when, when they released RC eight, I was like, well, here we go. You know, this is, this is, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, from there on, it just stuck. So, so I mean, I I know that you've had ten scale cars since, but you've really like ten scale kind of went out for the most part out the window at that point. Yeah, um, I would run ten scale if there was a a close place to do it. Um, you know, Carolina's RC had a facility for a while, did a little bit at Speed RC. You know, I've been down to your track a few times, yeah. that kind of thing. And it was always like the two to three races a year, not a lot of focus and club race it was more so just because um you know racing friends still had one and and you know as well as i do it's about the experience of going to a race and being around you know being around your race buddies just being around the track yeah it's always silver bullet we, we want to do well like we want to do well don't get me wrong but i always mm-hmm. held a little bit of a lower expectation that if i don't do well at this race i have an excuse for it in a sense that i just don't do it very much and to be honest with you, at that point, everything was still dirt. Yeah. If I had to say right now, could I take a choice of going to an indoor carpet track to race off-road or a dirt track, I'm going to pick carpet because in my older age now, time is less available. The, the will to put every spare minute into a racing program, especially with you know kids and sports and just everything going on, you know, carpet – it's one set of tires. I know indoor, it's typically one compound, yeah. but like when it's now that manufacturers have started making slicks, it ain't that big of a deal, but nothing used to drive me up a wall more than going somewhere and brand new. And, and I'm looking at and that and I'm looking at what the fast guys do to go fast on dirt. And it's like, I don't have that commitment. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Like I got no problem working on my car. I don't want to work on tires. Yeah. It, it, well, screw screw right, that. You know, I'll tell like, you right that, now. that ain't right. Like, to me, that ain't racing, and in any form of racing, it's tires. I get it. Yep. But to make them slick, no big deal. But, okay, now that they're slick, what do you do? And at the time, it was put this certain chemical on it, and then you chuck them in a drill, and whether you use a Brillo pad or a sander or yep. whatever it is. And I know I'm kind of the pot calling the kettle black because racing sedan, we used to put brand-new tires on a truer and true them down. Yep. But that was a 30-second process per tire. You know, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't the the having to manually grind it down. You put it on the truer, you hit the button, and it ran back and forth. You took it off, and you put another one on there. So I could live with that. It was quick and easy. Yeah. But um, you know, carpet for me is just you put the tire on it and you go race, and everybody's everybody's the same. Maybe not the same setup, but it's the same tire, the same carpet, the same day. It is, but I, I got still... beat by that guy. Not not my tires weren't as good. Yeah. Or I didn't prep them the right way or. He's using the green dot sauce. I'm using the yellow dot sauce, and he's using a whole different brand sauce, and he's using liquid wrench, and he's using that. Like, to me, pisses me off. It's a mess. I Two things. Number one, if I could 
turn Beach RC into a loamy off-road track that we, you know, that you had to run pin tires, I would. But for number one, my dirt won't because mm-hmm. you step on it and you have to retill it. Sure. And number two, the mess it would make. And it just, we, we really can't afford that kind of, it's already a little dusty. It makes it a little yep. tough. Um, and I understand why people don't do it. But um, the, the prep game is so, like, I hate it. Of course, we sell a lot of it. We yeah. make, we profit from it. Um, and people always say, why don't you outlaw it? And it's like, it's a simple answer. You reward the cheaters. If you outlaw prep, people are going to cheat. You're going to prep at home yeah. on Tuesday night for and the I don't, Wednesday night race. Right. And I don't have time to impound tires so that yeah. I know that when they show up, you know, that their tires are going to be legit. It's not worth it. So instead of, you know, going through that process, it's just easy enough to say, whatever, at your own risk, you know. Yeah. Well, and just it. be honest, even though it's a pain in the ass, it's more fun to drive with traction. Mm. You, you know, yeah, of I course. mean, just think about it. Would you rather go through the hassle of all the prep and be able to pull wheelies and drive your car, or would you rather not prep? And the and, racing suck. And the racing suck. Yeah. And so you're beating yourself in the head the whole time. I agree. You know, catch 22, right? It is. So. But it's for me, it's the chemical side of things that I hate. The fact that, you know. Can't be healthy. It's not. I mean, we all know it's not healthy. Um, none of us would put that stuff on our hands on a general, at, at home, doing something in the garage. We'd right. wear gloves or whatever. And most of us are careless when it comes to it. You're just like, yeah. screw it, psst, you know, rub it in. Um, it's even worse in oval. I mean, the dirt oval stuff right now, the stuff they're using, it's just, it's nasty, man. And I hate it. And I, and I hate, I remember one time having to tell a mom, she was asking me while we, why we were doing it. Cause I was helping her son and I was putting some, you know, prep on his tires. And she's like, what is that? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. She's like, well, why are you using a brush or, you know, why, why do you have gloves on or whatever? And I was like, cause it's really not good. And this is, this, this kid wants to do it, but the mom's looking at like, why do we yeah. have to, you know, I don't want really want my kid doing that. Yeah. And you're like, well, he has to if he wants to be fast or go good. You know, he, yeah. it, it's terrible for the, the industry. Yeah. Make it, his dad put it on, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. it's, it's not good. Yeah. We, I wish there was a better way. And like you said, the, the, the built slicks that are already pretty good, we still have to prep them. They're getting better. Like, it, it, yeah. it is getting a little better. Yeah, so to prove my case about it's all about the tire in indoor off-road, so – we used to have a track up near Greensboro-esque. A couple seasons it was open. I, I don't know why it shut down, but, you know, nonetheless. So um, Rob Meyer, long-time 10-scale racer, um, there were several of us that we would go up there and we'd have some really good races, right? Everybody was pretty close. Again, ground-down slicks. They weren't being produced at that time. This is probably six, seven years ago. I mean, not yesterday, but not back in the heyday of running pin tires. And – Closed cell foams had sort of just came out at that time, but hadn't been perfected. They weren't really consistent, if, yeah. that, if that makes sense. So everybody was running the two-stage Trinity foams, gray with the white on top, and that right. seemed to be the best, right? So, so Rob Meyer took pool noodles, the hard, dense foam. Literally pool noodles. Literally pool noodles, cut them down to tent scale size, cut out the insides would fit over the rim, profiled them. And because that pool noodle was the same, like his tires were always the same, like left to right, front to back, all that kind of stuff. And we went from like all of us being close, some good racing to like in 10 minutes, he lapped all of us, just a straight (laughs) ass kicking like you've never seen. 
And when I heard that you had to take pool noodles and hand make inserts, I was like, this shit ain't for me, dude. Yeah. Like, I, like you said, that's commitment. Ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> scenario, right? It's like, here we go. More reason that the outdoor game is for me, you know. But that was like a Wednesday night deal. Right. You know, I didn't go up there, you know, serious on the weekend. It wasn't, you know, big titled trophy races. This was, for me, like the club racing weeknight stuff, it's competition, it's racing, but yeah. that's more your settled down fun night. Some people shoot pools, some go bowling, whatever. We right. we race one night a week or right. whatever. That's right. that's how we hang out with our buddies after yeah. work one, one that's, night a week. That's not my golf round for money. Right. That's your golf round that you go out and just have fun You're already with your drunk before you even hit the cart. <laughs> yeah, you, st- you still want to play well and be competitive. You know, if I shoot 85 and my buddies normally shoot 85-ish, we expect to be able to play each other to a good round of golf. And right. then when one guy goes from shooting 85 this weekend to shooting scratch golf the next weekend, and it's like because it, it, you see, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but you see, all of a sudden it went from we're all right here to yeah. like we have no chance unless we do that. It would have been different if somebody that wasn't racing there that you race against all the time showed up and waxed all your asses, but somebody you know you can compete with. Right. So now you know you have to do all that work to yes. compete with a yes. guy you know yes. you can compete with. If I don't do that, I'm out to lunch. Right, and that's – I mean, I'm with you, dude. It drives me nuts, I was man. like, nope. I get to the point. I mean, I, I, I took a couple of years off because I just I was getting so competitive with myself. It was in my head. Mm-hmm. And when I would do bad, I not that I would get mad at myself, but I get frustrated and I'm thinking like I don't I don't have the time to waste on bad energy and, and doing it's not that I cared if I did bad, it was the fact that I thought I should do better than what I was doing. Right. And I put that on me and but I took a break and now I've come back and I could literally care less. I'm more like in the realm of what you were talking about. It just I come to hang out, yeah, and I I like to compete and I want to do good, but yeah. I could care less yeah. how I do. I don't need to make an A main. Yeah. If I do, it's a great day for me, and I know if I run more, I would do better. I I just I don't. Which next year my goal is to kind of try to get back to that, you know, like running more yeah. often, getting good again, getting to the point where I can compete with my buddies and stuff. I mean, when I was at the track 10, 15 years ago, I didn't care if it was the on road stuff or the eight scale stuff. If it were a regionalized event. I came to win. Yeah. The whole goal when I left the house was win. What I did during that week to get ready was to win. Yep. And I'm not saying I hated it if I didn't. I always reflected and go, why didn't I? What could I have done better? You know, that kind of stuff. But now it's great to win. Anybody's going to tell you that, right? But if I don't win, even though I TQ'd 40-plus, if I don't win that main tomorrow, I'll drive home with no – yeah, you're not going to beat yourself up. No, I'm not. I'm not going to not sleep tomorrow night because I don't win that main. Right. I'd love to, love to have that trophy on the wall or whatever, you know. But um, different phases of life, different priorities for me. This is now fun. Yeah, I enjoy sitting out under my canopy, beside my camper, Bluetooth rocking, eating some good food with local other racers or whoever's near me. You know. Yeah, the fellowship. Have a couple cold cans, and you know what? If I it doesn't go my way on the track, I still was off work. Yep, got out of town, hung out with people, had a good time. And a lot of the times, you do it with your son. Yeah, which I would assume, and, and this is me just knowing what it would be like for me. You're more focused now on the fact that 
his stuff is right and that he's doing well and you know, coaching him, helping him along. Yeah. I, it's more important, more I've, fun maybe. I've not raced as many classes because of that. A lot of times I go somewhere and I'll race one class, one car, and somebody's like, why do you only run one class? Well, because he's racing also, right? Yeah. And he gets the wrench inside of it. He's good at putting the stuff together. It's the small details of eight scale that would bite him if I just turned him loose. Right. Not Loctite in something the right way. Just throwing in the ring and pinion, getting it in there, putting the right screw back in the right place, but not shimming it not correctly. Shimming it. That kind of stuff that if he had a DNF after we've traveled three, four hours somewhere, knowing I didn't double check him or help him, that kind of stuff, you know, it, it would suck. So, you know, this week he's not here. I, I, I haven't ran three classes at a race in as long as I can remember. Yeah. So, um, yeah, miss him, definitely. I mean, not because he's my son. I'm not being biased, but I, I think he's one of the best guys on pit road. Like, he is good. He's never failed me on pit road. He is a good pit man. And, and just there's plenty of other good guys out here. I'm How sure. old is he now? Uh, 13. Yeah, I mean, for his age, he is gangster in the pits. Yeah, he understands lean is to the right and, and, and rich is to the left, and he understands the hours on a clock. He understands what the low-speed needle and the high-speed needle is. I mean, I can tell him what to do, and he does it. Yep. Um, But he doesn't drop the car on pit road. You know, he doesn't sling me down sideways getting out of the pits. Like, yep. I, I don't think about my pit stops. Yeah, you it, know they're going to be on point. Yeah, you get somebody that, even if you know they've done this forever and you You've never done it with them. It's just there's not, a, not there's a it's team dynamic root. though. Like yeah. you, you know, you guys yeah. work together. Yeah. You've been you do it for him. He knows how you do it for him. Right. He does the same for you. Yeah. And but the what I love about it is that the father son thing. You know, yeah, for sure. I think, and I say this all the time. That is right now, in my opinion, is the most important thing we need more of. And I there's a lot of it. I know there's a lot of it. Yeah but we need more of it. Like that needs to be the most focused thing is families doing something they enjoy. Not because someone wants to go pro, not because somebody thinks that they're going to get paid to be in the industry, but because it's family time that they all enjoy doing together. Yeah. It's no different. If, if we come racing and see him do well and we have that time together, or if we sit in our two man tree stand and I watch him, you know, drop his first deer. Yep. It's that that moment, that that time that so important. Yep, I, I like the at, at Wicked Weekend, not this year, it was last year. So twenty twenty one Wicked Weekend. Oh, this he oh. he he was he had a pipe dream of making the podium in Sportsman Nitro Buggy. You know, he talked about how how cool it would be if he could get on a podium. And throughout the week, he was getting a little better. He was getting a little better. He was like, "Do you think I can make the podium?" And I was like. Yeah, I really do. I was like, I'm not going to tell you you're going to make the podium, but I think you can make the podium. And what it's going to take is for these things to happen, right? And and he actually took that to heart. A lot of times your kids want to listen to another racer for advice oh, yeah. rather than their parent because their parents just criticize and not, not coaching, right? So, yep. you know, we talked about it, and, you know, I told him, I said, it's not about leading the race. It's not about trying to get – you know, you need a good start, preferably, but it's not all about that. So if you get shaken back at the beginning, you know, shake it off. Don't worry about it. You got 30 minutes. Just put your head down. I was like, it's a sportsman race. And I'm not bagging on sportsman drivers whatsoever, but, you know, more typically more sportsman drivers are going to have flame outs. More sportsman drivers might break their car. You know, it's like it's not it's, – it's, you're never out of it. You're, you're just never out of it. If you're seventh place with five minutes to go, as long as you're not a lap down, you can still get a podium if, they, if, if it falls your way, right? So – you know, long story short, he just had a good race, and he just 
I, I told him, I was like, you need to drive your race. Don't listen to the announcer on who's leading, how far the leader is. If you're going as fast as you can go without crashing, that's all you need to do. Yeah. And wherever that gets you, that gets you. But don't take a third-place run trying to win and crash out the last five minutes trying too hard and finish seventh. Right. I remember that race vividly because I pitted Bubba. Bubba. Yeah. I and, think we uh, were even side-by-side on we the road. We were. And um, in, and also I remember that I didn't go to the damn Hardy concert with you, which really pisses me off. Yeah, you missed a good one. I'm going to Coyote Joe's <laughs> next week. I'll be up there at Coyote Joe's right. on, on Thursday. But – um. But, yeah, I remember that race because we got on the podium, too. It was, like, Bubba's yeah. first big podium. Yep. And, um, but I remember Tyler, like, the excitement that he had, which was, I mean, I love that. That's, for me, I get a kick out of it. Yeah, I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know what to expect from him. Like, he came down off the stand, and at first he looked emotionless. And I was like, well, part of that's because he had a, a tight battle in the last, like, minute of the race. I'm like, maybe he's just processing, trying to think, is it finally over, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, he just kind of, you know, those tears of joy came down. I was like, you all right? And he was like, I got the podium. <laughs> I made the podium. I'm like, yes, you did. You know, yes, you did. So, and I think he set a little bit of a higher bar for himself now. And I think it's like, because he's made since then several podiums. So now it's like, I don't want to just podium. I want to win. Right. A, a sportsman race. And I've, And he's even talked about running intermediate. And I'm like, I'll support that. But let's get a big win in sportsman. It's not even about getting a win. Like if he if he wanted to run intermediate tomorrow or you know, next race on the calendar, I think PNB is probably the next like big regional race, right? So if he said I want to run intermediate, and I told him, okay, so would you be okay with a B main instead of racing for a podium or a win? And he said, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Go for it. I'm signing him up for intermediate because I do think you'll get better. Quicker, racing right. faster people. Absolutely. I mean, there's no secret in that. But, um, you know, personally, would I like to see him get that one significant win before moving up? Yeah, I think that's logical. But I'm not going to hold him back. If he wants to move up and run a B or a C main instead of making the main, I'll sign him up for it. Yeah. You know, next race if that's his choice. So, I, uh, I There's a lot of merit to that. There's a lot of merit to someone that wants to move up because we see all this stuff of people like – not wanting to move out they're comfortable just running top three all the time in a in a lower class when they could conceivably get faster and 100 100 stories about that yeah but i actually missed um i don't miss many gymnastics meets of my daughter and i missed one today and she took overall and uh that was one of these like i i literally sat at my table today and and when my wife told me i'd like nearly bald like i was at that point because i I'm a, I'm a girl dad, so yeah. I don't I don't get to throw a ball. I don't. She's not in the RC, um, but she's passionate. And for me, like when I see same thing with my daughter that I see with parents at the track when the kid works so hard. And, and we've watched some of these kids from just starting to like Tyler. Yeah, when you know making podiums, it's it's so refreshing to see the the real joy, not just the yeah. you know I'm a fast kid arrogance or whatever. It's that that happiness that they've accomplished something yeah he has no entitlement mentality right you know whatsoever which which i'm proud of so um i know he could do better than what he does just because he doesn't race much he really doesn't race that often like we we just don't get the opportunity to just club race regularly very Mm -hmm. often some of it's by 
choice. Some of it's by life. But, like, what I tell him is, like, you can't choose to play baseball and want to go hunt and want to race. I mean, all these are Saturday events, right? So whatever you choose, I'll support you. You know, if it's hunting season, you want to go hunt, that's what we're going to go do. If you sign up to play, you know, baseball in the spring and that's 11 weeks long, you just got 11 Saturdays where you're not racing. Right. You know, so. Or hunting. Or, yeah. <laughs> in the spring, there's not well, much. Yeah, but, that's true. My bad. But, yeah, but, but the, you know, I guess my point is, is, like, there was about two years ago, we raced a lot from late spring all the way through the summer. And I saw a big improvement over a short period of time. And it was just being at the track. Because he's doing it so being often. Track, yep. Being at the track. And, and now, you know, if he were to came here this weekend, it would have been since the Peach State in mid-September since he held a radio. And it would have taken him all day Friday to even get close, to get, right. to get comfortable, um, which is about what it takes him, a day of practice before he's at what pace I know that he could run and, and that what he realizes he should be running compared to the guys he's used to racing with now. So, yeah. Shorten that curve up a lot, racing more often. You know, if he were to race weekly or twice a month and come down here, it would be two to three tanks versus an entire day, you know, of practice. So Yeah. So, speaking of hunting, you uh, kind of switching gears a little bit. Wait, Brent, before we get into this, let me interject so you can kind of start over again if you want to cut this. Would you mind removing your shades and putting them on the table? Oh, yeah, sure. It's Sorry. making. I think it's making this camera Sorry. the focus go in and out. No, no uh, problem. I just didn't want to interrupt your story. No. Okay. No, all good. Um, you good? It's looking a lot better. Do I need to touch something? I would just, just, oh, just to be safe, I would probably go refocus it. Like that whole session's not like messed up because no, no, we've got we've got multiple camera angles, so okay. I just stuck to oh, one. Cool. We cool. can use all three at all when at any time. Yeah. So cool. Um, so hunting, 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 <laughs> hunting. Um, <laughs> there's no G. Where do you guys normally hunt at? Like, are, you're you're based in Charlotte, ish. Out ish. Yeah, Charlotte. I, I'm right near Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is not actually in Charlotte. Concord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Harrisburg. I mean, it's the exact town, but yeah, Concord, Harrisburg, that that area. Um, our family for generations has had about an eight acre farm south of a town called Monroe, so it's about 50 minutes from our house, and uh, it's between like Monroe and the state line of South Carolina. So um, most everything we hunts there. Every now and then we'll go with somebody if we get an invite, kind of thing, but. Um, you know, we got plenty of deer. We've got, you know, really about anything. If it's a North Carolina wildlife, you know, other than other than bear and hogs, it's out there. Um, depending on what crop the farmer has on it that season, uh, if it's just been cut with corn, you know, we can hunt birds. If it's been, um, you know, certain certain things we hunt, you gotta you gotta call them in. You gotta work for it. Right. You know, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he enjoys that, and it, and it's not it's not for the what's the right word? It's not for the inhumane purpose of it. But you know, one of the one of the deer he shot this year, I brought down a backstrap out of it down here. I heard, I, I seen on yeah. uh, Facebook, you know, so or something today. you know, a lot of people will ridicule you for hunting. So be it, you know, whatever. It, you know, is it illegal? No, not anyone that's do, watching. Do I like? This, do I, I like? You that. Do I like to do it? Yeah. So you know. Get off my back, dude. Yeah. You know, just look the other way if you don't like it, kind of thing. But um, you know, we'll we'll put it on the table and eat it. 
And what's the difference of us putting it down with our rifle versus you going to the grocery store and buying a steak from a cow that was brought into a slaughterhouse? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it is what it is. So we like to do it. It's fun. The hypocrisy in this country is amazing. There it's is, at an all-time no high. hypocrisy here. It's at the all-time high right now. Yeah. So. It's, if it's good for me, uh, what's the saying? Uh, it's good for me, but not for thee or something like that. Sure. Um, you know, that... That's just the that entitlement and mentality that is spreading like you know a disease right now. Yeah, you know. But for me, I mean, the older you get, like you don't get any quiet time. No. You know, so sometimes the sound <laughs> of silence is the best sound, right? So, you know, if I'm a, if I'm in my stand or my blind before the sun comes up and I'm sitting there, need one, and it's like silent, yeah, almost, and. I hear nothing but the leaves blow or the leaves move when the wind blows. And then all of a sudden the sun comes up. And after the sun comes up, you start to hear birds chirping and you hear squirrels rattling around. It's like you watch nature come to life like it does every day before you knew what that was like. Right. So in our weekday hustle and bustle as we're getting up and getting them ready for school like we do, right, and and get ready to go to work and you're focused on – what's work going to bring me today or what's the first thing I got to do when I got in? There is none of that. No. You're sitting in the woods or over that field or whatever, and it's like the only thing that matters right now is watching this sun come up, being here by myself, my phone not ringing, and the fact that I might get a shot on something that I can take home. And if I can put it on the wall, great. That'd be, you know, fortunate. It's like bonus. But, you know, whether it's um, whether it's a trophy or not, I mean – it's still food. What's the biggest uh, buck that you've gotten so far? My personal best is an eight point. Um, try not – I won't say we manage deer because we got a small property. There's a lot of people that hunt around us. Um, I try not to shoot spikes, little four points, stuff like that. You know, my youngest son, which doesn't come to the track much. Some people have met him mostly around the local tracks, but – um, you know, he shot his first one this year and for him, it doesn't matter if it's a trophy or not. He, he got one, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, we've shot, give you an idea. We've shot four does and one buck this year, you know, so have we seen a lot of bucks? Sure. But nothing that I felt was worth taking down knowing that next year, if it hangs around long enough, it's going to be a nicer buck. Right. If a neighbor doesn't shoot it. You know, so out west, you know, you get thousands of acre. Midwest, west, you get thousands of acre parcels. Here east, it's like to have 20 acres is like something to say about. Yeah, it's large. Yeah, so it's uh, you got to have several property owners all in agreement to not shoot something that's not a certain criteria, and that's hard to do. Right. I've uh, I've actually never gone hunting. I I love I love the the action of it, I want to do it. I'm not scared of it. I'm not afraid to kill an animal. Sure. Um, and I, I want to do it. I, my buddy, I, I got a shotgun this year. I, I want to take and do some duck hunting. Um, but I, I would, you know, that's one of those things I've always wanted to do. Just never. My my wife is a she. Before we got married, she hunt a lot in Arkansas. Sure. Um, and then our oldest daughter and my wife, they went uh, on a on a hog trip uh, two years ago. Where you know they they ran dogs, but 
my daughter had to stab it. You know, the only way that the guy that was get, taking him hunting would let him kill it is by actually stabbing it. That's pretty know? hardcore. Yeah, and she had to do it. Like that was the way it was going to get done. Yeah. And we eat everything that they've that they've done, and and I'm all about that for sure. I I don't think killing for, you know, just to just for the trophy. I I right. I, I do believe in killing for the the harvest. Yeah. Um. But I uh, I just I over the last few years I've gotten so into you know a lot of things, second amendment and guns and, and then, you know, just wanting to live off the land in the future, not wanting to be part of this hustle and bustle. Um, so I guess that's kind of more of like a future dream of mine is to be able to hopefully my professional life gets to a point and manage to where I can do that yeah. on a more regular or a, a regular basis. Cause I don't do it at all yet. Um, but that's that's what I want to do. Like that's where I want to get to. Yeah, you know. I mean, just like RC, there's a technical strategy side to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I'm just gonna sit right here and if I get lucky, like something walks in front of me. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's everything from washing your clothes in a special detergent that doesn't have a scent to which way is the wind blowing. So if the wind's blowing out of the south, I got one location I'm gonna hunt. But if it's blowing out of the whatever, I got another location I'm gonna hunt because. If I think the target area is a certain area, I got to be somewhere where the wind's not going to blow me out. Right. Right. So, you know, aside from the strategy of how to do it, how to best position yourself, and then then you got your, you know, your weapon of choice, whether it's a bow, whether it's a rifle or whatever. Do you the bow case hunt? Is. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll bow hunt and rifle hunt. But as far as the rifle side of things, I mean, that's technical as well. So, I mean, right. you don't just go buy the thing off the store shelf and it's got a scope on it if you buy – like, like they're ready hunting. to run yeah. package. You Let's know? go hunt. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's you got to understand how to sight it in. You got to understand what moves the scope up, what moves it down. What reticle do I need? What are the little dots on the reticle? Oh, you mean those dots are where to put it, like if it's a such distant out? You know, a lot of people don't realize that. Right. It's like we're not hunting with granddad's guns anymore. You know? Right. So um, just your weapon has a lot of technicalities that it's fun to learn it, get good at it, have confidence in it, you know, all the above. So it's just another hobby though. And yep. which, which makes, you know, people, I, I'm, I have a bad habit of just packing hobbies into my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, even to the point of, I was like, you know, I'm not racing. So I really need something to kind of free my mind when I get home. Cause that's the hardest thing for me, owning my own business, going home and not thinking about work. For as long as I can, because it, it's just impossible not to. Right. So I got into a saltwater tank, like a reef tank. And let me tell you, that shit's hard. Like, I kill so much live goods trying to figure <laughs> out my fucking, like, all the chemical balances and the food and, and, and just, and, and it's beautiful. And, and it might be beautiful today. And what happens, I'm finding, is like, what I fucked up on today, I don't even know I fucked up for a month. Because it, it it shocks them to the point where they look fine, and then they slowly start dying, and you don't even know. Right. So it like like the guns and hunting and everything else. There's that learning curve of like, oh okay, I you just can't throw these nice coral, these live coral and these fish into this tank and be like, throw water in it once a week or whatever yeah. and feed it once yeah. a day. You know. Yeah, I'll say the <laughs> I'll say probably the biggest mistake I've made with a hobby of hunting is looking at different types of social media groups of like hunting groups. Well, there's only 20 people on there 
putting pictures out of the 20,000 people right. <laughs> that were in the woods that day, right? So you see the pictures of the buck this person shot, the buck that person shot, and this and that, and this person's trail cam pictures, and it's like, why don't I have that? What am I doing wrong? And it's like, it's not that you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's just that you're looking at the small percentage it's of, the odds. of the real world. Right. <laughs> you know, so I got to get off of that because I won't call it jealousy, but it's almost like resentment of like, that son of a bitch probably didn't put in half the effort I did and just got lucky in the right place at the right time. And right. Life's unfair. Right. right? So, um, as long as you know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's always next year, right? That's what the what the Broncos say. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so the the we suck too, though. I got no room to talk. So did I tell you the story? I don't think I've seen you since. So I was I went to Texas for Thanksgiving, and and you know I was looking for tickets for the game. Yep, I had been for a while, and then my buddy locally, um, we we had everything taken care of. I could have bought them, whatever. Well, we go to Texas. And I'm sitting there, and my mom's like, you still going to the game? And, and Tiffin looks at me, my wife, and she says, yeah, are we still going to the game? Because I keep telling her, I'm going to buy tickets. Don't worry about it. I've got it all under control. And I finally just looked over and said, listen, Linda, because <laughs> that's the thing at our house. Yeah. Everyone's a fucking Linda. I said, listen, I don't want to spend all that money for a full family to go up to fucking North Carolina to get our asses kicked and be pissed off, drive all the way home four hours. I'm I'm a I'm a super fan, but I've had enough. This year, I had enough. I didn't need to go right. to, to Charlotte to to get my teeth kicked in. Yeah. You know, because I'm so passionate, I'm gonna be angry. Which is what happened. Exactly. You know. And I mean, we suck so bad and we're trying I like in my mind as a football connoisseur trying to figure out how is this even happening? Because we don't have a bad team. Yeah, whose whose job should be sacrificed? <sighs> you know, it, I thought Nathaniel Hackett was going to be awesome. I might yeah. be wrong, and maybe he needs another chance, like a, another right. year, like he needs to get the locker room like under control. I don't know. But do we waste another year? Did Russell Wilson just become the biggest bust ever? Like, what happened, you know? And as a fan, like when we got Russell Wilson, it's like, Hell yeah! When we lost Von Miller last year, I'm like, dude, that is a franchise guy. Pay the, pay him. You right. know, do what he needs. I mean, he's given up salary for years to to stay on this team. Pay the man, and then we get rid of Bradley Chubb this year. And I mean, I'm just, you know, by the way, Brad, we chose Bradley Chubb over Allen in the draft. A lot of people <laughs> chose a lot of different people over Allen. I know, but right? you know, yeah. like, damn. And so, like all these things, and and we just completely suck. We we go into Charlotte two and seven, and you guys are three and seven or something, and yeah, and we got shitty and shitty versus each other, right? Yeah, and yeah. oh man. So I told her I was like, "There's no way. There's no way I'm gonna go pay all the money for drinks, gas, food, fun, whatever tickets yeah. just to drive home with my head." And how many people were gonna go? Four? Five of us. Five. Well, my mother in law and then my all my girls. Yeah, I mean that's thousand dollar. It could have been about a thousand dollar day. Thousand dollar day. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I could watch it at home if I wanted to. Right. But you know what I ended up doing is watch the first quarter. Saw we suck so bad. Turned it off. Went to the garage. Started cleaning. That's how bad I was pissed. Like, yeah. I don't normally just start cleaning yeah. out my garage. Yeah. <laughs> you know. 
We've got we're kind of known as like the Jersey family at church, right? Because <laughs> every Sunday, if there's a game, we'll, that Sunday we'll we'll all wear our jerseys. Going to the game or not, we'll wear our jerseys. So you just kind of get known for that, right? But it was one Sunday. My wife comes out ready for church. I'm like, you're not wearing your jersey? She's like, I ain't wearing a thing no more. <laughs> like, you know, like, we just suck. I'm tired of wearing it. Maybe if we stop, they'll start winning, right? right. So, and then all of a sudden, we didn't we didn't wear our jersey. Like, she didn't wear her jersey. We're like, well, if you ain't wearing yours, I ain't wearing mine. And the kids are like, well, I ain't going to wear mine either. So we show up, and the even the pastor, the pastor of the church is like, what's up? No, like, no jerseys today. And it's like, you know, yeah, we've kind of kind of given up. Yeah. You know, so Next year. We always have next year. Always next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the Browns have said it like sixty years, right? For Browns fan, man, it's gotta suck to be a Browns fan. I mean, I it's I hate losing one one bad yeah. year, but to have like a yeah. lifelong. I mean, the Panthers career. haven't won a Super Bowl, but at least in the semi-young life of the franchise, I mean, I think '96 or something was their first year, but yeah, that's a long time ago, but. Not in the life of some other franchises, right? But we've at least been to two Super Bowls, lost both of them. But we, I mean, we've been there. We've had some moments, a lot of playoff seasons. So you're not saying that winning is the only acceptable thing, but but when the town knows what it feels like, yeah. right? And you know that there's been, I don't know, 50% of their years in existence have been playoff years. You go through three or four shitty years like we've had, and it's like, there's a show. What's on, the deal, guys? Like, let's go. You there's know, a show on Netflix right now called Sunderland or Die. It's about soccer, about a soccer team that was in the Premier League. I don't know if you know anything about the. I, I'm not even a soccer fan. I can't even tell you how many people were on the field at one time during a <laughs> soccer match. <laughs> I don't but, know anything about well, soccer. I'm, 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 I know just because I'm a sports fan a lot about it, but I'm not a fan to say like anything. But I, we went to. Um, the Valencia, a Valencia game when I was in Spain for Worlds. Mm-hmm. It was one of the greatest sporting event experiences I've ever had. But I was, so I kind of like, I, I gained a new respect for it after that game we went to. Um, so I'm not going to sit down and watch it when it's on TV unless it's World Cup or something sure. like that just because I'm patriotic. Um, but I watched this show called Sunderland or Die on Netflix. And it's about, so in the Premier League in, in Europe, in England, um, that's the top. Like, that's where all the teams want to get to. And then they have the next league, which is called the championship, and then the next league is called something else. There's three leagues. And the bottom three leagues or teams of uh, Premier League get relegated to the next league down, and the top three teams in the second league go up in the same thing on the bottom two and three leagues. Yeah, so you can't be the Browns and stay there. Right. You. Sure. I mean, you, you're just – you're not going to be in the NFL anymore. You're going to be down in the AFL or CFL, whatever, right? right? So if you compare it like that. and uh, But this team in Sunderland or Die, like they have this long history of being great in the Premier League. And then pre-COVID, they just – they they got relegated and then they just sucked again and got – I mean, this the town was just distraught. I mean, yeah. it's a small English town and that, that puts 50,000 people in a stadium. And these people are, like, on suicide watch, the whole town. Yeah. You know, so imagine what it's like to be a Browns fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm not even going to go there. I mean, I, I, I'm not from Cleveland, don't live, you know, never been there hardly, a couple RC races, you know, but it's like 
the Cavs won a championship, and I think that's the only championship in the history of the city for a long time. Yeah, because I you can't know, remember the Indians winning anything. No, I don't think they ever. They had. were good a couple years ago, but yeah. I just know I just know my my Braves beat them in '95. Right, so that's all I know. What did they say? From 1999 through 2018, the Cleveland Browns have had 30 starting quarterbacks. Oh my god. That's about like the Panthers in three seasons. <laughs> That's a lot of stars. You guys wanted our trash hand me down, so y'all got Bridgewater. <sighs> you know. Which was not a good move. And then so. we get rid of Drew Locke, send him up to Seattle, bring down Russell Wilson. You would have thought that would have been a gangbuster move. Like he, yeah, proven, he's a nine time proven pro- winner. Pro Bowl. Yeah, proven winner. Won a Super Bowl. Yep. It's just the systems, man. Those guys are trained so much into one thing. Right. You know, couldn't imagine. Those guys got to be just so smart. Like, quarterbacks especially got to know so much. I was talking to my wife about that the other day. It's like, imagine having to be a guy that every play, you know, 50, 60 plays in a game, has to walk up to the line, evaluate 11 people within 24 seconds on the other side of the field while trying to move five or six people on his side of the line and have to know where those five or six people are going every single time you the ball gets in your hands. Yeah. Or thinking about it this way, I know you're kind of a music aficionado like I am, right? We talk about that, different shows and stuff. But if you listen to your favorite artist that came out with a new song, you listen to that song 20 times, it's still hard to memorize every word of the song. Yeah. Well, that quarterback has to memorize every play – of the playbook, not just what the name of it is and what he needs to do, but if there's three receivers, which way is every guy going on which one? Yeah, for anybody that wants to know what it's like, go on Madden Football and try to memorize just the 20 plays they give you on there. Right, and, and I've played very, very little video games or Madden, but I've played with my kids every now and then, right? Well, I pick the play I want, and I see where the XYZ receiver is, once the play starts, I can't remember <laughs> where the X, Y, and Z guy are going. And I right. just picked that one, right? So right. it just I, I agree with you. Like, are they athletes? Absolutely. Yeah. But whether they're book smart or not, you, you got to commit. I mean, you're still a professional. Yep. It's a sport. It should be fun. But it's a job. It's a job. It's a and, job. And, it, and you are a professional. Yep. Your job is to be the best. Yep. Right? So – I get paid to do a job where I go to work. I'm expected to do that job and do it well. Well, when you're a professional being played to play football, you're expected to do it well. Yeah. Right? And if you don't. But the difference is somebody that, like, at your job, if they wanted to, they could fire all of you at once. They could if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. In the NFL, you can't just fire everybody. <laughs> like, you can't just go and say, fuck all you guys. You suck so bad. I'm right. rebuilding the team next year. Yeah. So you're stuck with people for, you know, X amount of time, you know. I mean, even going back to the musicians, not only do they have to know every word, but most of them play an instrument at the same time. So not only do you have to sing every word for 15 songs for three hours, but you got to know every yeah. damn note that you're going to play on the instrument. I can, I can barely tap my head and rub my belly at the <laughs> yeah. same time, right? Yeah, so I hear you. I tried learning the guitar not too long ago, well, a few years back, and uh, going to lessons with my oldest daughter. And... Uh, <laughs> I was getting into it. Really sucked. My left hand is just just jacked up. I don't know why. I can't move it good like I used to. And uh, 
she just gave up so quick. I was so disappointed. I was like, well, you wanted to do the guitar thing, so I joined you, and sure. I really wanted to do it. But I'm like, I'm trying to figure out why do my hands not move like yeah. like the other people. But it's just like everything else. It's all practice. Yeah. It's muscle memory. It's it's knowing what you got to do all the time and, and, and pushing yourself to, like, get the calluses and all that, you know. And I just, I wasn't committed. Yeah. I quit, you know. And, and I think that's what separates even in our industry that's what separates the the top guys but anything you do doesn't matter if you're a lawyer mm -hmm. trash man i mean landscaper it doesn't matter if that's what you want to do you want to be the best at it you can be you just got to work at it yeah some people are naturally talented some people just have to work really hard yep. you know so what uh I want to know, so that's what I started off with in the beginning. I want some good, tell me a story. What is the most fun, or let, let me see if I, well, I'm going to tell you, I, I had a lot of fun with you two years ago at Wicked Weekend. You danced like a We band. all had a good time. That was a great night. Last year's was even pretty good, too. Yeah. Well, you were there last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, you are there. Um, I just want to know, give me one good race story doesn't have to be at the races but like something that happened after the race maybe hanging out maybe with a rental car maybe at a restaurant what's what's the most memorable story you've got so i'll give you two of them one of them is before we ever got to the race and the reason we'll remember it is because it was like a oh shit moment and tyler was there and he didn't know what to do so i think it was two years ago we we're coming down here to the brawl and it started to get dark on us on the way down here. We were coming down Thursday night. So I cut the lights on the truck, and I kind of just noticed in the mirror that my trailer lights didn't come on when I turned the truck lights on. So I was like, oh, shit, man, we're like still an hour and a half out. Long way to go without any trailer lights, which means I don't have brake lights. I don't have turn signals, right? Like, eh, not good. So we pull over in a parking lot at a gas station and I look at just the very most basic, simple stuff. Can't get the lights to come on. So I tell Tyler, I'm like, we're just gonna have to drive to, you know, kind of open country road until you get from like the 501 76 interchange. Right. Which was about where we noticed they didn't come on to like Conway. I'm like, I don't want to get into Conway with no lights. Right. So we pulled into AutoZone right there on uh 501 across from the high school. Yep. And I go in there, and I'm like, you know, asking if I can borrow, like, a voltmeter or something, right? And I'm checking a couple of things in the parking lot. And I go in and ask them if they have a certain relay. They don't stock it, whatever. And not knowing if that was a problem, but that was, like, the most maybe obvious thing. And I figured if it was 20 30 bucks, and I put it in, it wasn't the end of the world, you know, if it didn't work or whatever. So we leave AutoZone. I'm like, we just got to go for it. You know, what are we going to do? Drive two hours and 45 minutes back home with no lights or drive the remaining 20 minutes to the track without lights. We're just going for it. It is what it is. And we'll figure out how to get home or what to do before we come home. And, uh, this is back when I had the toy hauler. So I needed a pair of pliers out of my RC box to get the fuses out and relays out, start checking stuff. So I dropped the gate on the toy hauler at AutoZone to get my tools out of my RC stuff. Well, started doing all that guess what dad did dad forgot that he dropped the gate on the toy hauler we pull out of AutoZone, get rolling down 501 and this guy pulls up beside of us he's honking his horns and he's waving us down and i'm like 
I know, asshole. I don't have any likes. You know, what do you <laughs> what do you want me to say? Right. So I'm telling Tyler, I'm like, guys, you know, probably every Tom, Dick, and Harry that drives up is going to tell us our lights aren't on or whatever. Right. So he rolls his window down. And if Tyler hadn't rolled his window down, I probably would have never heard the guy. And all of a sudden I hear, your trailer's open. And we had driven about two miles (laughs) down 501 with the gate down on the toy hauler. Tyler's bike's about to fall out. Oh, my gosh. I lost two boxes out of the back of it that – had slid out on the road. So I get down, figure out a shopping center I can pull into. I shut the gate. Notice what I'm missing. We drive the other way back on 501, <laughs> looking for our stuff <laughs> in the road, right? So we, we find one box, pull over real quick, get that box, drive up a little further, see another box, get that box. So miraculously, I've got all the stuff that fell out of the trailer back wow. in the trailer. Still don't have any lights, but whatever. So anyway, we packed up. I shut it. All the rubber stops on the back of it are ground down. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I didn't see it, but I just imagined my trailer gate just bouncing, going down the road, sparking, yeah. who knows what that you can't see in your mirror. And, uh, you know, so that's a story that, you know, you're not really proud of, but, no, but it's, it, it's two one. years later. Yeah, It's funny now. wasn't at the time, but, it, you know, whatever. So that that's an off-the-track, you know, racing story. The other one is, again, at this race, many moons ago, um, myself and Pace and Nick Katuna, a bunch of us went down to Broadway at the beach, kind of in our younger days. And uh, there's one song, and it doesn't matter if I've had three beers or t- ten beers. Man, when, when Cotton Eye Joe comes on, I'm going to get out there You've, on the floor and shake it down, right? So do I remember uh, – Maybe it wasn't this race because we were wearing flip flops and shorts and t shirts and I doubt, sting there. I doubt we were doing that in December. It might have been the sting. Maybe mm-hmm. it was the sting. But um you know, I'm dancing, carrying on, this and that, and then all of a sudden I realize like I got one flip flop on. I'm like, where the hell did my other flip flop go? And I come off the floor and I'm like, Man, I lost a shoe and Pace was like, Yeah, this some bitch started zinging past my face <laughs> about the third line of the song in you started kicking and dancing and carrying on and your flip-flop freaking went flying across the bar who knows where i can so, see that so we had to go find the flip-flop laying on the floor somewhere you know so i mean there's you know been a lot of stuff like that but um the most fun times are always off the track right yeah so the track well it goes back to competition Competition's fun but that for the most part that's not why we're here yeah i can't tell you where I finished in what main that weekend. Right. But I can tell you I slung a flip-flop off dancing at the bar to yeah. a song after we all with you your know, buddies. put down some bullets with their buddies, right? Yeah, you and that, I think that's what's so important. And I've, I've, I try to convey that to so many people at the track. You know, people come up like, hey, man, how you running? And, and they say to me, man, this sucks, and I did this, and it sucked. And I'm not doing good. My car's not good, whatever. Excuse me. And I'm like, well, are you having fun? They're like, well, I mean, not yet. Well, what's fun to you? You know, because you're obviously doing something wrong. You're not, you're not socializing, you know. Yeah. You're, you're obviously only focused on winning. Do you have an unrealistic expectation or or what? Right. right? And and it's fine to want to win. I I think if you don't want to win, you shouldn't be doing it. Period. I mean, honestly. But if you don't win, you shouldn't be upset about it. Sure. Unless you made a mistake 
preparation or a dumb driving mistake that you know, you know, don't beat yourself up, but you could be upset that you you fucked up, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I try to tell people all the time, like, listen, you're doing it wrong. When was the last time you walked over to my pit and you saw me not smiling? I suck. Like, I could go out there and break my car in half, come back, smile, and laugh about it, you yeah. know? Because I know when I'm done wrenching on that piece of shit and I fix it because I fucked it all up, that my buddy Brandon's going to come over and be like, yo, you want a beer? And I know what that turns into. Yeah. Two or three more yeah. beers, you know, then sit the, around a the campfire. Then the Bluetooth speaker comes over. Exactly. And Cotton Eye Joe starts, and you then, know. And then 30 minutes later, I don't even remember breaking my car. Exactly. Right? And, yeah. But that's the problem, I, I think. And, and it's different for the younger kids because they might have pressure from their dad or whatever. But, like, most of us adults that go there, we all know each other. And we, we end up yeah. kind of, like, like I said, it's that extended family. It's like, hey, we get to see each other, you know, once a month. And we're going to do it all again. We're, you know, we're going to drink. We're going to we're gonna yeah. hang out. And, <laughs> so, and I just wish they would learn that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always ways I can piss people mm. off by trying to have fun in their weak moments, right? Right. So last year at Wicked Weekend, it was the last – it was even practice. I think they had a practice for something after racing was over, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. But – we had already been on the clock, and I, I remember Pace got a chance to practice, and Spencer had told him, you need to do this to your e-buggy. And he's like, man, I've tried all that before. I don't like it. Just pre- preference, track, whatever. I don't know. So he's like, all right, well, I'll try it. So he goes out there for like a free free practice run and hits the metal fence Around. around the racetrack. Yeah. I mean, just wadded it up. <laughs> and I just hear, bang! And the car's just crippled. And I know he's pissed. Livid pissed. Yep. I was, I'm laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care, dude. Like, that shit's funny. Yeah. You didn't even want to go try it. You said no. And you didn't anyway. I was on the headset. And he's like, this sucks. I don't know why I keep trying this. It might have been on the clock. I, I, maybe. I don't know. But I'm laughing to myself that he's just – he never talks when he drives. So the fact that he's talking while driving about not liking it and I should have never done this and just to wad the car up. Yeah. I'm laughing. I had to flip the headset up because I'm just laughing out loud, yeah. right? And uh, he comes off the driver's stand storming, pouting, you know, whatever. And I just got this biggest shit-eating grin on my face, right? Like I'm just – I can't hide it. I'm like – that's funny. I don't care who you are. Like, that's funny, right? And uh, you know, what, are you, what are you laughing at? If that was you, you'd be pissed, man. You'd be pissed too, this and that. I'm like, but it ain't. It ain't me. It ain't me, right? You know? And because it ain't me, that shit's funny. So, Damn right. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the stuff that today, if we talk about that. You can laugh about he's it. He's laughing. Right. And it's funny. Right. You know, so – I got when it, when we got to see Pace two it, years all ago. The, it's all about the fun of it, you know. It was so nice to see Chris Pace fucking open up and and let his guard down and and relax. Because most of the time when we see Chris, I mean, he's in mode. He's in race mode. Yeah, you know, and he's a great guy. I love Chris, but it was really nice to see Chris and not that full blown like race mode. Yeah, you know, and getting a little tipsy, you know. So. uh and, and part of that is we, we talk about it all the time. It's like, you know, we take time off work. 
you know, like I, I took a vacation day from my employer to come to the Badlands, to the Fall Brawl. Right. Also to Wicked Weekend. Whatever race I go to, if I'm gone on Friday, I've taken a vacation day. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm 41 years old. I'm a grown ass man. I have a real life. You take time off work. It's our money, our time, our effort to come down here. Like, do I want to represent, you know, my sponsors well? Absolutely. So, like, it's kind of like when you punch in and you punch out, you know. So, when, when racing starts to when racing's over, I'll help anybody at the track. Yep. You know, I'll help any of, you know, my drivers. I'll help any body tuna motor. I'll help anybody with anything if they ask. Right? But, like, when racing's over, like, this is my time, too. Yeah. This is my weekend. That yeah, I, this I, is what I'm paying for. This is what ta- I'm yeah. taking time off for to enjoy. Yeah. The six hundred dollars it cost me to do this this weekend. Yep, I'm gonna have fun with that. You have to, right? And doesn't affect how I represent anybody. Doesn't affect how I personally race because, like you said, you know, referencing what you go mode or race mode or you know whatever, like focus mode, like you know, from from first qualifier to last qualifier, you know, I'm not goofing off. You know, I'm not having a beer. I'm not getting out of out of line or anything like that. But like at night. Why not enjoy yourself? Yeah. You know, and I just well, don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. You, you know, know the, the kind of a story, but two years ago at Wicked Weekend um, that was at SMB because mm-hmm. of COVID, um, I don't, were you there? I came down and watched, I brought Tyler down to watch the mains. Okay. Well, I don't know which night it was. It was Thursday, Friday night. We were doing like um, Fuel Gun, you know, Harambe and, and Josh, Josh Hollyfield and, mm-hmm. and, and, and JB delish and he was still racing at the time and we there was all of us we were all on our tent and it was raining we were fucking pounding beer and having a great time but um the next like the next night i want to say cav and um cole in mayfield and me and spencer heckert and, uh, and there was 10 of us and they're all like you know at smb they got the the football field right mm-hmm. there so Someone gets a football and they go down to the end where we're all pitting and trying to kick field goals. Well, evidently Cav kicked a pretty good field goal, went over the fence and hit somebody's camper. Well, that guy came out and was just went ballistic. Cav's like, dude, I'm sorry, you know, just we we're just goofing off and didn't mean to. You dent in my airstream or whatever. It was one right. of these like I don't remember I don't even know who the guy was at this point. Well, that guy the next day because that was at the night, end of probably Friday night or something like that. The next day, that guy's going around saying, these pros are dicks and, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And Mayfield ended up saying, look, bro, we're just like you when we fucking done racing. We clock out. Right. We are normal people just like you. We drink beer. We have fun. We hang out with our buddies. And that's what people don't understand. You can't judge a man by what he does when he's not doing what you think he's supposed to be doing. Sure. Like that guy is allowed to drink beer and goof off and be a, have fun. Yeah. My company cares about what I do from eight to five. Exactly. What I do at 11 o'clock on a Friday night, they don't give a shit about if I'm back at work on Monday morning doing my job that I'm paid to do. Exactly. Right. So in these guys, everyone says, well, that's another thing that guy, that comes to my mind that that guy said was like, that's why they're, you know, they're so unapproachable. That's why people don't want to talk to them because they're dicks. I'm like, no, they're not. You just come at just them hard right. because they made a mistake or playing around and a, and a football hit your camper. 
It's like there was no malintent. They didn't throw it at it on purpose, try to put a hole in the side of it. Yeah. You know, and so th- that's why I, you know, I can see why those guys a lot of times are so guarded. You know, and they don't let everybody into their circle or whatever because they just know somebody's looking for a reason to downgrade them or get them in trouble with their sponsors or just because they didn't get what they wanted, they're going to call them a dick or tell them that they're wrong. We need, you know, people need to lighten up, man. Sure. I mean, this is so much of that. Just all day, you know, someone comes off the track. I had to break up a fight in pit pit lane today. Give me a second. Sorry. Y'all going to edit it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pissed myself. No, I I was getting close. Don't worry. I'm like, I could probably hold it. My face is going to be like eyes squinting. <laughs> start rattling my chair over here. What could we do? Talk shit about the Browns. Fuck the Browns. Fuck you, the Browns. Let's, let's talk shit about the Ravens. They suck too. <laughs> I can't believe our offensive coordinator still has a job. <sighs> our defensive coordinator, I, we fired him and he's doing great over in New York. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't get it. Who do you think's going to the Super Bowl? Uh, I I think at the end of the day it's going to be the Bills. I think they'll figure it out uh, unless Josh Allen's elbow is all jacked up. NFC, who knows? My prediction this year is the Bills and the Niners. I like the Niners a lot. I think that's who it's going to be. I don't know how much I trust Jimmy G, but I trust Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme a lot. Jimmy G is a lot better than people are giving him credit for, but he's not great. He's not a Josh Allen or yeah. Mahomes or, you know, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. He's not one of those kind of quarterbacks, but I think he can keep the team together and, and play good ball. I don't know, man. Bills and Chiefs in the AFC Championship for sure. That's the way I see it, and I that's going to be a barn burner. Yeah. If it, if it comes down to those two teams making to the AFC Championship, that is going to be a really good game. I think it'll be Philadelphia and San Francisco in the I, NFC. You know, I'll actually I'll go with uh, I think Dallas is pulling it together for once in their life. I think it'll be once Dallas. Once in their life, bro. They've got five Super well, Bowl you know, championships. In the past, tw- once in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dallas is looking good. So we were talking about while you were gone um, football again, back to football. Who do you think's going to the Super Bowl? That number first question. Top AFC, NFC. Realistically, realistically, it's not our teams. I, I am, I am not a Cowboys fan. Their fans piss me off, quite <laughs> honestly. But uh, I think they got a really good shot. Uh, you know, their defense is good, and, and and to be transparent, I'm not an NFL buff. I, don't get me wrong, I'm diehard Panthers. But I'm not the kind of guy that watches every game that's on my local stations on Sunday. Right. Right. So when the Panthers are done, if I got yard work to do or I need to, you know, get stuff done or whatever, it's, it's that's what I'm gonna do. But um, you know, just from watching highlights, seeing who's on a roll, you know, I think the Cowboys probably are the NFC in my mind, the NFC leaders at this point. And then uh you mentioned Von Miller leaving the Broncos. I mean, obviously the Bills have lost him for the season. They say that he might be back. Really? Yeah, he, they might. Be, they're, they're thinking one or two games. I think uh, the Dolphins look hot at times, but but they've never been there with the crew that they've got. So I think some experience probably plays somewhat of it. 
I don't think McCarthy is the best coach in the world, but he has won a Super Bowl. He's been to the postseason many times. He's got that experience to draw from on the Cowboys side. But, you know, it's it's hard to bet against the Chiefs. So I think I'm thinking Chiefs and Cowboys. It's very interesting, the Cowboys and Indians there. Yeah. <laughs> um, which would be really cool. Uh, I uh, So as an AFC West football team fan, I hate everybody else in the AFC West. Yeah. But, if of course, I would love to see the AFC win the Super Bowl just because I want to know that we're the strongest division. Sure. You know what I mean? Or the conference. I think it's going to be – Chiefs and Bills in the AFC Championship. I think Bills go, and then I think it. I I told him I think it's Niners and Philly, and Niners go. That's what I think. But I I think Dallas definitely has a serious shot. Like they're they're in it too. I I could have definitely been off a little mm-hmm. bit by choosing Philly over the Niners or, or I mean over uh, Cowboys or off by cow not choosing Cowboys over Niners. But uh, NFC is pretty stacked this year. Do do you watch do college ball? You got it in college? I, I watch the significant games. My, you don't have a team that no. you follow or anything? What I gra- about? I graduated from UNC Charlotte, and shit, they didn't even have a football team until like five, six years ago. Seven I didn't years even ago. know they had one. <laughs> yeah. My point. Yeah. You know, so being that my alma mater is not a football school, um, you know, growing up in North Carolina, there's no – because they're normally uh, they're, Duke or Carolina yeah, fans. Yeah, that's basketball, right? I right. Mean, you know, Carolina's been ranked this year, had a pretty good season. They're playing in the ACC championship game. So I'm not saying they're a bad school, but it's just not their their thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, being a Carolinas-ish type guy, I mean, Clemson's who locally we pull for and watch and keep up with, but I watch the significant games. That's interesting, though, that you would cheer for Clemson over like a NC or NC State or something like I, that. I think a lot of it's you want to pull for a winner, right? Yeah. So if you don't have ties to a school because you went there or your parents went there or you know that kind of thing, yeah, you just kind of pick who traditionally would has, you follow has, basketball as a chance, college ball. Yeah, I mean we follow it. Are you a fan Tar of Tar Heels? Well, you're a Tar yeah. Heel fan. Yeah, so when it comes, it you know during basketball season, it's, it's Tar Heels, and that's what I was raised on. So like, my grandfather was a huge Tar Heels fan. You know, my mom would watch a lot of the games, probably more than I would, honestly. But um, never really played it as a kid. I'll yeah, wa- I'll watch March Madness, but other than March Madness, I don't watch many college basketball games, and don't watch many college football games unless it's you hear about that marquee matchup. You know, like a. Tennessee, Ohio State, Tennessee, Al- or like when Tennessee like played Alabama, or yep. you know Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Gamecocks, that kind of stuff. So that's like, one week a year, though. That's rivalry. It is week. one week a year, so that, that might be the only week that like yeah. I'll dedicate to watching some games on purpose. Yeah. So, so it, do you? Do you said you golfed earlier? I used you go out and golf with buddies, whatever. Yeah. Occasionally. I mean, yeah. Four times a year, maybe. That's more than me. Yeah. I so, wish I could. So in, in my in my line of work, we get a lot of golf invites. I don't always go, but, you know, I have contractors ask me, like, hey, you know, you play golf. It's like, what's your definition of, like, playing golf? <laughs> you know, so, like, if you mean be quiet while you swing and, you know, hit balls in fairways and that kind of stuff – no, I don't play golf. If you mean like <laughs> we drink beer when we ride around, 
and we Chase laugh at each other and, and we talk shit and we hit balls in the pine needles and don't even go look for them because we don't care and just drop a new one in the green grass. Right. Then, yeah, I play golf, you know. But, you know, on a serious note, I hit the ball really well. Like Evan Vale could tell you. I played with Evan, Cameron, and Pace one day. We met in Charlotte and played up. And uh, I hit the ball really good, but I can't score well. <laughs> you know, there's a big difference. Oh, yeah. So when you should hit one club not as far to have a better position of your next shot, I'm like, nah, dude, I'm just hitting a driver because I like to swing it, right? hit it, let it fly, and hopefully it goes where – hopefully I go over the trees like I try instead of going straight and then dog-legging it kind right. of thing, right? So – um you know, do I have fun playing? Absolutely. Am I good at it? Some days. Some days I might be a high 80s kind of guy, which Jesus. is not good, but it's better than a lot of people, right? If, if I can break 100, yeah, I'm happy. And I don't play golf to keep score. I play golf to not lose balls. Yeah. So, so if I start with a full box of balls, 12 balls or whatever comes in a sleeve, you know, a box, if I, I count, my day is based on – how many balls I lost. If I go home and only lost like one sleeve out of that box, it's a good day. That's a f- great day, yeah. dude. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. If I keep a legit score, you know, I'm not talking mulligans or, you know, move it here, move it there. Like, if I play it where it lies and play le- a legit game, I'm low 90s most of the time, high 80s on like a good day. That's so, good. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, I get for even for like work games and stuff like that. Just going out with, like you said, with yeah. you know people invite you out. I uh, I'm generally like in the one teens, one low one twenties. But mm-hmm. when I, I I get to the one hundred, just under one hundred, and that's like hoist me up on shoulders. I'm <laughs> right. a champion type day right. for me, you know. But I, we I I love playing golf. Before I started uh, beach hobbies, I was doing graphic design from home. And, uh, you want to know? Yeah, where they at? I got you, bro. And, um, mountains are still blue. I got it from the ghetto gas station right down the road. There was a cop out front, and, uh, uh some form of a semi crackhead girl walked in and she was crying and she was looking at candy bars, and I was a little uncomfortable. And I bought a case of beer and left as quick as I could. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so. I used to do graphic design for my house and literally would like drink beer and play call of duty and wait for somebody to send me a job. And I was making really good money and my neighbor, he was retired and we were playing two, three times a, a week. Yeah. I, but I, I still sucked. Even yeah. when I was playing two or three times a week, I was not catching on. And, and I'm the kind of player where I've had a lot of people say, man, if you played, as much as we all do, you could probably get pretty good. And it's like, maybe I could. Because in high school, I was a pretty good baseball player. Like, I've got the I got the ability to see a ball, hit the ball, that kind of thing, right? But, right. again, that's probably why I hit it well, but I don't score well just due to bad decision-making. And I'd rather be 140 yards from the pin than 40 yards from the pin. Because at 40 yards, I can't take a full swing. I can't just hit it. It's finesse. The technical side. It's the technical yeah. finesse side of golf that I just suck at. And, you know, if I'm 40 yards away and I blade it, I'm 70 yards away on my next shot. Right. You know, from blading it over the green kind of thing. But um, 
you know, a lot of people that make the comment, oh, if you played more, you could probably get pretty good. And it's like, well, I just don't want to. Right. You know, I have fun when I do it, but I have other things on a weekend that are priority to me before playing around a golf. Right. Which so. are still fun or are still important. You know, you, uh, <laughs> playing golf is just one of those things that it's an acquired taste because people play it all differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got people that, like you said, they just take it super serious and they keep score and they're like, oh, dude, you know, if you if you walk back and it's like, hey, just put me down for a six, they're like, no, dude. I saw you, you hit got it seven eight. times. Yeah. 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 Like, that's an eight. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But yeah. then you go with your buddies and you're like, dude, I don't even remember what I shot. And you, and you try to count it back and it's like, fuck it, just put a five down, you know? Yeah, and they don't care. No. Right. But, I mean, those are the days, obviously, I don't. Me personally, I don't count that. Like I just say that was a fun day. We were in nature, you know. We heard the birds, you know. Yeah, the well, grass was beautiful. Yeah. We drank a lot of beer. Like that's yep. that's the fun, fun part. It's a fun day, right? You know, and I we can have that same that same amount of fun racing RC cars. Yeah, as long as you do it the right way. Yeah. And it goes back to the same thing. I try to. It's a cycle. I try to tell people all times like you're doing it wrong. Spend all the money in the world. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're not going to buy yourself another two seconds on the track. But what you can do is buy yourself an experience you'll remember forever. And you're especially not going to get two seconds on the track thinking that another car that you don't have is the reason. Right. Two seconds a lap slower. <laughs> I, I suck with this that. car. I'm going to go get that car. And right. oh, damn, I still suck. You know? so, <laughs> Here, hold my radio and you yeah, tell me how good yeah. it is. But I, I get laughed at a lot for my clubs too. Like they're 30 year old Craig, Craigslist specials right awesome. and like, why don't you get new clubs i'm like because people 30 years ago were still shooting under par you know why because they know what they're doing <laughs> it's not the club it's the operator right. right so i guess same thing in rc you know very much so like I, you, you, you've got your newest and latest and greatest engine but i'm still running an m3x Dude, who says could, i go faster with the new engine because i have my own personal limits and it ain't the engine you know, so. I was so gutted at Wicked Weekend. I blew up my um, my M3X, which was the first one I got when I started the distribution of Ultimate. I was using it all the way until this Wicked Weekend. I mean, literally three years old or more. Yeah. And uh, it blew up. And I was looking at it today because I hadn't taken it apart yet. I just threw another engine in. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. It was, it was great if you yeah. take care of your stuff, you know. But I, I get what you're saying. It's... I, you know, people can get wrapped up in the uh, flashy, new, shiny stuff. And, oh, yeah. and and we need it as businesses. And we don't want people just to constantly use the same old stuff. I mean, technology does get better. There are better stuff. You and I are on a different level. We we go for the different reason. You know, we want to do well, but we know that our equipment's good enough to do well. We don't have to go to – our equipment probably will – supersede our ability yeah my equipment is better than what i can drive right so for us you know at the age we're at we're not like i need to have the newest one even if this one's still good yeah we're we're, we're good with using what we got you put a david olsen or cole ogden and these other young fast kids yes they need the next 10th you know those guys need that in my opinion i i will i'm never going to be at that level mm. to expect a product to to make me faster. Make me yeah. I, if, if I'm not putting in the work, the product's not going to do shit for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's priority. You know, I won't go buy a new set of golf clubs, but 
you know, I walk into my local gun range and are like, check out this latest new whatever. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because to me, that's cool. Yeah. Give me a tutorial. Let's see what's going yeah. on here. Yeah. So you're the, you're the region three, um, team manager for team associated and, yep. and Reedy like together. Yeah. It's all a on, package. Yeah, all under one roof. Yeah. So you, um, you manage basically the regional, not 100% guys, mainly like the... Yeah, it's called a regional development team. Development. And, and the development, it is about driver development, but it's also just about brand and product development as well. Um, so the pro, like the direct drivers that I oversee or sign on or let go due to inactivity or whatever reason, which I've never let a driver go due to performance personal reasons it's always been hey man you haven't raced in three years we got drivers interested they deserve a spot in my opinion and you know i just i'm not, I'm not going to carry 40 drivers you know it's just not fair to it's not fair to the brand not fair to people who are trying to earn a spot to let somebody that hadn't raced in you know three years which you know do i race as much as i used to no but I'll make the significant events in my area enough to be able to support the guys that we bring on that need that coaching and right. that help and that support and stuff. So, um, so you know, the regional development purpose is for us to be more grassroots, local level support, local level finding that talent, that kind of thing, you know, because obviously, you know, Brent can't be everywhere at every track in every state to realize, hey, this next person could be somebody we need to look at. Right. So it's really for me, it's like two different two different avenues. One is that young kid who looks like they have potential. Um, you know, maybe doesn't have a sponsorship with anybody, or maybe they're running a certain car and have just maxed out, and maybe they're told we can't support you any more than we are now, but you think that person's got it in them. And I'll use Evan Vale, perfect example. So Evan was with Mugen, and, you know, it was one of those things where it's not my business to know, but I think he felt like I'm at a point with Mugen where, like, I got all I'm going to get, right? And I was like, you know, let me see. Let me see what we can do. You know, come on, at, come on at this level, put in your time, do well, like we think you can and you've been improving. And, you know, he goes from that local teenager fast guy to – you know, regional and RCGP podiums type fast guy, yeah, right? So, sure. um, you know, Evan's a textbook example of take that kid who's the next guy or, you know, not not the next guy, but a next guy, potential type driver. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of them. We could go on and on with people who have come out of the program. But the flip side of the young kid who has the potential is the veteran racer who may never win a race, but he's worth putting on the team because he's smart. He's willing to help. He's good for the brand, um, races a lot. So the, the, the best guy at the track is who somebody can go get help from. Yeah. Not the guy who's going to win. You know, so um, not to say there's not ground between it, but that's kind of my target driver is somebody that I could help groom up to get faster. Um reach their potential. Um, you know, I'll use Maddie Long for an example. You know, year ago we signed up the whole Mihalich and oh, they are Long group. It, group. You know, and, and, mm -hmm. and you know, Maddie's somebody that 
you know, I've coached her on the radio and watched her and tried to help her and that kind of thing. And, you know, she's moved up from sportsman to intermediate, which even at these big races, intermediate, I mean, it still has some fast guys, right? Or people shouldn't say guys, but fast people. And, um, you know, that, that's the kind of scenario of you've got rusty who is a veteran speaks well for the brand. They look the part, they act the part, they race the part. Um, but it's not a what wins on Sunday sells on Monday. Right. Right. So, um, you know, we've got several guys who, you know, are older than me that have raced a long time. And even though they're not in a winter circle, a lot of people still go to them for resources and help and knowledge and questions. And when you can take a not built correctly car and help that newbie out, and now all of a sudden you didn't change your setup, all you did was go through the car and fix everything they may have built wrong or getting the trim set, getting the toe set, showing them what dual rate and a radio actually does and, and how to use the functions of the car and getting it right. And they go out and they go a second, a lap faster and you didn't change nothing on the setup. You didn't even put a new part on the car. You just fixed what was already there. They appreciate that. Right. Right. And that's the stuff that keeps people in your brand, you know, longer or entices them to leave one brand because, hey, my buddy at the track just got better because he got help from these guys. So if I get that car too, I can get help from the same guys. They're going to help me out the same way they help, you know, other customers out. So How long have you been the team manager or the, the region the, team manager? The program started, I want to say, I, I'd have to look at when I opened my Facebook account because I never had Facebook until they started that program wow. and brent was like yeah we're gonna kind of do everything through facebook or i was like oh man i don't, I don't even have that you know so i think it was probably 2011 10 11 somewhere in somewhere in that range okay so i mean it's been over 10 years yeah and i'm trying to think but i don't know if there's anybody else that has done it since the inception so, I mean, whenever they created that program, Brent approached me about doing it. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, it sounds good. And just been doing it ever since. So do they have a regional manager like you in every region of Roar? Like, Roar, like is that the what they have or what they want? That's basically how they set it up. So it was kind of like, how are we going to do this? So it was basically determined that it'll be easiest if we just assign a person per Roar regions. Not that Roar is the godsend that determines what's the best areas, but it just made sense because no region is just overly big. It was already dictated. It was already dictated. Yeah. It was there. It was the easiest thing to follow. Yeah. That but, way you didn't have to say, okay, Brandon, you get south of North Carolina. You got whatever Roar's whatever Roar region it, yeah. was. And, but there are times that we, we, we crossed the line. And, you know, the I talked about Rusty and family. I mean, they live in Virginia. Right. But they race a lot in North Carolina, South Carolina, come to a lot of these events. So, you know, if there's somebody I want to get on the team, you know, I just reach out to the person in that area and just say, hey, man, you know, they're, they're in my area a lot. You got any issues with me putting them in, you know, under my group or whatever, you know, the terminology would that be? Gotcha. And, and they're like, no, nah, that's fine. You know, if you're the main contact for them, you know, no big deal. And when Blake Boggs was doing the whatever number the region was, but it's basically like Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, I think, are the three states down there. You know, I don't get to Alabama very often. I mean, it's a hall. But Blake Boggs lived in Alabama, even though that wasn't technically his region or territory. Right. So, 
whenever I got something from driver request or something came in or a reference, it's like, Hey Boggs, you know, this guy, girl, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, if so, it was more like, Hey, if we put them on, do you want to be their go-to person? And he's like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. So a lot of the Alabama stuff crossed over into Blake Boggs. And then like, I have probably three or four people that are in Virginia that oh, you got Donnie, little Don Don. Yeah, Donnie Jr., you know, I got on and the Milliches and Yeah, them and um you know Jerry West, Frank Denny. Those were those were guys that I got on that they live so close to North Carolina. Yeah. They race more in North Carolina than they do in Virginia. Yeah, of course. You know, so the person who technically has Virginia is more of a, a PA, DC, Jersey, that area. Right. Which is like the region two of Roar. Right. So um There's so many tracks in our region right now. Like Yeah. I mean it's blown up. Yeah. There's North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. There's a, you can race at five tracks every Saturday and Sunday and Friday. Yes, I mean, I mean by, by the book, I've got Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama. So, what what is your well? First off, sixteen years with a company like that with with Associated, you know, because of the technology and how the ebb and flow is, it, it's pretty impressive to see someone stay with a brand that long. Because you you've had really bad years of equipment. Like there's no denying every brand has mm-hmm. where they're behind other brands. Sure. So that's when you really see the true colors of not only like a general you know, a team manager like you, but the drivers who you manage because at that point everyone's like, Well, we're getting our asses kicked by this brand, you know, maybe I can get a better deal or get on that team. Yeah. You know. So loyalty should be one of the highest uh, currencies we have. A lot of people just think of a discount or free. Yeah. But the loyalty side of things, I think in the industry, we all need to band together. You know, even if it's a competing company, it'd be nice if there was some communications like, hey, I'm with Mugen, you're with Associate. I call you up like, hey, you guys let him go or this guy's thinking about coming over, you know. What's your thoughts? And I know it's tough because we're all fighting for such a small piece of the pie, so to speak. Yeah, and there's been a big shift in that, too, I think, over the years that I've been racing. Just because the whole 50%, you know, 60% discounts and sponsorships, those are all still fairly relatively new in the RC game. And I remember Mm -hmm. when I started racing, you were either sponsored factory pretty much or or just buying stuff like from you know beach rc or the hobby stop like where i mentioned i started my racing at and um you know it's it's a struggle because we don't want to have too many drivers um i told you earlier i'd mention names this is probably one time i'm not going to mention brands as much but you know, there's guys in sportsmen, C-Mains, and I, I mentioned earlier it's not about the results. It's about the, the ability to help. Yeah. But there's people that can't keep their own stuff together. They can't keep their own engine running. They can't represent it enough themselves to be able to help somebody else that have those level sponsorships with other brands, right? right. And it's like if you've got a credit card and you race twice a month, like we'll put you on, sure. Right. We don't want to be that. I don't want to personally be that. Um, and that's that's the struggle where some people set the bar 
that it should be so easy to get sponsorship. Yep. But, you know, Associated's got a, a long-time world-class, world championship heritage that do we want to expand our team into the non-podium finishers? Sure. You know, that that's not a problem, but it needs to be people, I think, that are still well-respected as an up-and-comer or somebody that's well respected that's been in the game long enough to know that they've earned they've earned their keep to be yeah. able to get that. I think that's the biggest thing. It has to be a reason for the, other than the fact you're just trying to make another sale. It can't be that. Right. I think that's kind of where the 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 line of irresponsibility. Yeah, we don't want contracted customers. Right. And and I think that's, you know, we're almost everybody in the industry is guilty of it right now at this moment. I know that, like you said, even right now, there's kind of more of a major shift going on where I feel really good about um, where people are starting to say, go to your dealer, go to your hobby shop, go to your distributor. You know, we're not doing team stuff. It's tough because I'm part of it. I know. I know what it is. I know what it's like. I know what we have to do because we have to meet marks. We have to, you know, keep the bills paid. We got to keep the employees working. But there has to be someone held accountable for what you're doing. You just can't be like, it's like Oprah, you know, like here's you you're this, sponsored, you you're sponsored, yeah. everybody sponsored, yeah. you know. I, I would say, you know, honestly, if I had to if I had to take a stab at it, that one out of four members of our regional team have been from application, reaching out, resumes, somebody who I may not have just walked up to and said, Here's something that we have that I'd like to talk to you about, right? right. Three out of four people probably on average are people that I have identified as good candidates to represent us. Yeah. That I've said, hey, you know, would you be interested in this? Here's the advantages of it. Here's why we'd like to talk to you, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so it, it's more of a hand-selected thing than a, you know, get 20 resumes a month coming across the computer that – you're trying to figure out which ones you want because yeah. you know, well, you're old school and, and that's the way it should yeah. be in my I, opinion. I get a, I get a lot of those. I mean, you can imagine how many somebody tells somebody, tells somebody who to reach out to. And it's like, well, I'm just going to send it in. And I'm not naive enough to know that they're sending me one. They're probably also sending every other brand one and they're going to take whoever offers it, you yeah. know, and that's not what we're looking for. And I would say, honestly, for me, I've put more people on the team that are already running the brand right. that deserve to be put on the team because of ability, representation, and the fact that they're already using it. So I know they're going to like it, and I know they believe in it. Right. So there's been a lot of people that ask me about it, and I'm like, have you ever driven our car? No. How do you know you'll like it? Right. Well, I don't know. You're a one and done. I I'm mean, like, you can come in and have a bad year. I'm like, what if, we, what, what if I put you on the team and – you know, you think you're not doing as well as you did last year with brand ABC or whatever, and you automatically think the reason you didn't have as good of a year is because it had to have been the car. It's got to be the car, right? Or, you know, you have a friend that you travel with, and he has a, you know, low-level sponsorship with, yeah. with this company, and he beats you for two weeks in a row, and now you think it's the car, and you're going to go join his team because they'll offer it to you as well. Right. You know, so – I, I'm I'm a firm believer that before you get on the team, you need to know what the product is and you need to believe in it because if I offer you a sponsorship in something you don't believe in, you can't go 
provide confidence to the people no, asking you're you not going to sell it right and that's that's what we sponsor people for we yep. need you to sell our product we're not giving yep. this to you because you are you know entitled to it we're giving it to yep. you because we need you to represent this product or brand in a way that it's going to sell yeah and that means you telling people about it that means you running well taking care of your stuff helping people all not, of the above not just help sell it but help keep the people who already own one continuing to own them. Right, for sure. You know what I mean? So, you know, I look at it on the 10-scale side of things. Not that the 8-scale program isn't great. I mean, it's two-time world champion car, right? But at the same time, you look at all the 10-scale side of it, and the market share is a lot smaller. Or Not the market share, that's the wrong word. The amount of cars on the market for 10-scale is a lot less than 8-scale. So down here, there's probably eight different brands on the racetrack this weekend. Right. You go to a tent scale race, 90% of all cars there are one of two brands. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's not it's not about making it known that the car can do well because everybody knows associated tent scale cars are competitive. Right. You don't have to. They sell themselves. They sell themselves. Yep. But for somebody who has one, you can keep them in that car by helping them with it versus sure. saying, well, I'm going to go try the low C. I'm going to go try the X-ray or the whatever latest and greatest one that decides to come out, right? So it's not just about new people acquisition into the brand. It's about retaining the ones who already run it. So. Yeah. I, I've, I've got uh, my favorite customers are the people that like to try stuff. And selfishly, it's because they're those guys aren't don't want to be sponsored. They they know like, hey, if I get into a AE or Kyosho or whatever, like I have to run that. And they're like, I don't want to. I've got enough money, or you know, like this is my hobby. That's what I want to spend my my yeah. play money with. So I'm going to run this car right now. And a new car comes out with this brand next month. I'm going to run that. You know, and like Matt Starnes, perfect example. You know, oh, yeah. like uh, Corey McElveen, like love, those guys. Love Matt Starnes, great dude. Yeah, but like. He'll have a car. Three months later, you just know he's yeah. going to have a new car. Whatever's new, you know. And, and I don't even think for Matt, it's that he thinks one's not good enough and he's going to do better no. with it. I think he just looks at it like, this is a hobby of mine, and I just want to see what this one's about. That's what I'm saying. That's why they're my favorite. Like. Right. Those, those guys, yeah. they come to the hobby shop. You know, every hobby shop's got them. They come to the hobby shop. What's the latest, greatest? What's coming out? You get them in. They're like, save me one. I got some money burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah. I just want to try it. And they want to try it. And they might sell it a week later, a month later. Maybe, like Matt, I mean, it's a perfect example. Some of the shit he ain't even driven, he sells it. Like, he just <laughs> builds it and sells it. But, the, you know, this year specifically so far, and we haven't even started our team building for Ultimate. And I've kind of been on the fence of how I want to handle it because yeah. we have a good team right now. Like, we yeah. jam up. I think we're kicking a lot of ass. But this year specifically, I've had a lot of people send in emails that already own it and this is the first year they've bought it they love it right and they want to be part of it before we had to entice people or try to get them on the team or try to find best regional representation so that we could sell more of them and we could you know build that volume yeah. up but this year specifically it's been like man i'm running your engines you know here's my resume i would love to be part of the team that's the kind of stuff I like. Like, and you you yeah. touched on that, and I think we need more of that. It's when the people call you know, send me, hey, all my buddies are running your stuff. They're all doing so good. I'd love to be on the team. It's like, well, just because they're running good, 
That doesn't mean right. you're going to like it. Yeah. You have one bad weekend, next thing you know, Ultimate or whatever engine brand it is, is the biggest piece of shit out there. It wasn't. It's it, it, it's not it's your never problem, their fault. It's, it's yeah, problem. it's right. never the racer's right. fault, man. And that's what, uh, you know, myself and some of my counterparts <laughs> in other areas, we, we kind of talk a little bit about how many people you got, how many people you got. And for me, it's, it's just uh, being being a racer that's been in this for a long time. We have to have places like Beach RC successful to have a place to do this, right? So if if we go and sponsor everybody just to get them, and they're buying direct from Associated at a discount, but everybody else does the same thing, eventually there's nobody that needs to come into Beach RC and buy something from Brent Densford's small business because they're buying it factory direct, right? Right. And, you know, we've had a conversation recently about tracks that close and why do they close? And a good example is Carolina's RC. Well, Carolina's RC on the surface looked like this great, well-established, very successful hobby business. And, I mean, I'm not privileged enough to know the details of any of the financials or why it succeeded, why it didn't succeed. But, you know, if I if I were to count the amount of tracks in the Carolinas that have opened – and closed down since I've started racing, like I would run out of fingers and toes. Yep. You know what I mean? And part of it has to be that where are they buying their stuff? These days it's less and less and less of it that they're buying it from the brick and mortar shops or the place that's providing them somewhere to race and they're buying it through whoever they're a contracted customer for, yep. whether it's tires, whether it's Chassis. I mean, what are the other accessories? You sell them every day. You know, Motors, every, servos, everything, speed controls, everything. tires, whatever. Yeah. So you go get 50% for everybody in the industry. You have no reason to go to your local hobby shop anymore. Yeah. Unless you need like a can of spray paint. Right. Or a servo lead extension. Or to, or to go and sit in there and talk and waste all their time because you just right. bored in – Nothing drives me more crazy than someone coming in and expecting all the information. And we see it all the time. They look on their phone and they're like, you tell them how much it is. And they're like, uh, you know, they leave with not buying it because they right. found like they're either their sponsor or Amazon or somebody has it $5 cheaper with free shipping, no yeah. tax, whatever. It's tough, man. It's such a low margin industry. And yeah. that's another thing people don't understand. It's like they see you, they're like, you're killing it, man. We know you're killing it. But they don't understand like overhead employees yeah keeping the newest stuff in dead inventory because it, the, the industry flips so fast and you get stuck because we want to make sure we have everything for that car and yeah. then that car changes in six months and we still have a ton of stock because we want to make yeah. sure we have it all the time you or, know? The, or the old you know i bought this car from you and you made six hundred dollars on me no i didn't make six hundred dollars you yeah. spent six hundred dollars but that ain't that ain't what our shop made no. To sell you that car. They right? don't figure anything into yeah. that. Yeah. The public doesn't know what cost of sale is. No. Right? Not one bit. Yeah. Man, we've been we've been chatting. What time is it? So it's it's late. How long have we been, Robert? Hour fifty, basically. It's perfect. Um man, I I wanted to have you in here because you're you're knowledgeable and we're buddies. It's yeah. you know you're you're a good dude and uh, we have a lot of similar interests and I think that uh, a lot of people don't understand 
you're just like people like you. And there's a lot of people like you in mm-hmm. this industry that you benefit from being a team manager. You know, you get your product whatever, like yeah. they, they take care of you, but you have a life. You're, you're not married to the industry through making money. So your dedication and the fact that you're here, you know, to support your people, obviously selfishly for you, you also want to come race and have fun mm-hmm. too. But the way you handle yourself and, you know, I, I was privileged to be part of, you know, your stuff for a little while. Um, and I just, I think you're a good example of what we need more of because I don't know a ton Thanks. of people out there that do it better. Um, you're well-respected. You know, you, you call races, you've helped me, you've done masters, you've done, you've, you've, you've been a, a, a great resource and sure. help to me. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that all of us in this area have you around. You know, a lot of people don't know how much work you do just for nothing, really. I mean, it's yeah, tough. I, I told somebody one, I don't even know how it came up, but somehow the topic came up about, you know, what I do for associated, like it doesn't pay me a dime. And they're like, you don't get paid to do that. I was like, no, I don't get paid to do that. Do they take care of me with, you know, product to be able to support racers and support myself and all that? Like, yes. And when a lot of people are like, man, you've been with them, you know, 16 years. Like, why have you never left or whatever? Like you mentioned, everybody has a bad period with their car, right? So, Yes, there were years where I knew and I felt I wasn't driving the best eight-scale car on the market. But there's nobody else out there who's going to do for me what Associated does for me. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm appreciative of what they keep doing for me and letting me do this. So, you know, to hear somebody say that, you know, what I do matters or that it's respected, I mean, you know, it means a lot and at least gives me self-gratification that, Hopefully, possibly, I'm I'm earning what I have been provided with versus, you know, people on the other side of it going, well, I don't know what the guy does, and you know, they take care of him. What's he doing? You know, I, there, there's probably some of those people in the industry, right? Oh yeah. Um, for but, every no that you give to somebody to get on the team, you get motherfucked at least ten times. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so and, it, and you do it right, and they don't understand it because all they care about is themselves. Yeah. But even when you may not have the best platform, and even if other cars at that point may be more advanced or doing better on the track, there are always still people that have that car. Yep. There's always somebody to help. And you're always going to get beat by one. I mean, the fact of the matter is you're never going to be the best every week. Yep. So, yeah, I, uh, man, uh, this is good. I'm going to have you back on, you know, next time you're around or whatever, I want to have you back in and, um. I know we're going to have more fun this weekend. It's not over yet. Yeah, I uh, still some work to be done. You know, last year I TQ'd this race. I TQ'd it again this year. I didn't win it last year. And I was telling KB, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, it was always hard to beat Travis Dupree here. Oh, yeah. I mean, hard to beat Travis Dupree here. And uh, I TQ'd the fall brawl one year in Pro Buggy, you know, beat Travis in qualifying, felt real good about it. Just never got it done on main day. So I was like, other than uh, like an e-truggy win that I ran one year, like I don't have a first place nitro trophy at the house from the fall brawl. So hopefully tomorrow is it. Just that haunts me because I had that situation happen two years ago. (laughs) And uh, 
I qualified ninth. No, 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 no. I qualified fourth. And it it was the year that it, it started raining in open nitro. And I went out there. I was on JQ car at the time. I went out there. Mike uh, Mike Hill was my pit man. And I went out on gold um, ellipse or whatever their bar tire was at the time. Probably ellipse. <laughs> and I was like, instantly, first lap, no. I mean, it's raining. And I pull it in. I say, like, put on the, we had green reflex ready. So put them on. Went out, did one lap, pulled it in. We They took us out to go and start. I led 29 and a half minutes and the left fucking rear wheel came off on the last lap. I was here. Like the I said, one I've, I've time, been to like 17 straight of them. So the I know. one time I was going to win the fall brawl, I had a 10 second lead. Like it was yep. my year. I had it. Yep. So I know what you're chasing right now, yep. man. It, so. it, it, it eluded me, but I've got some cool trophies at home and a Badlands Nitro one is not one of them. So I come well, down here every year thinking like, is this the year? This is the year. Well, good luck and thank you. And uh, yeah, man, keep doing what you're doing. Cool. Love it. All right. All right, man. Have a good time. We're out. Now I get to pee. Holy shit. I'm like, I thought you were going to take a break when I did. Oh, I'm twisting and turning, dude. Like, I'm fucking halt. This episode is made possible by the boys over at Racecraft. They don't suck and neither should you. So get your pit game on point with the command module, the wadule, and mini module. Don't forget the flocking amazing pitting accessories or the all-new flock foil that fits nearly every 1A chassis and comes in many amazing colors. Use coupon code WHEELANDTRIGGER at racecraft-usa.com for 10% off your entire order. That is wheel and trigger with the ampersand at www.racecraft-usa.com. So get on board at Racecraft. We know how to party and we f*** hard.